0: Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss current events in the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan with Intention.
1: And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co owner of Journey's Travel Company. We can't discuss all of the headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage.
0: Speaking of Travel Biz Boss, you just launched something. Super exciting. And I want to know more.
1: (laughs) So I've been offering done for you travel joy setups for quite a while now. My schedule is always full. Almost every month I'm squeezing someone in that I know I don't, you know, that's going to stress me out. But I just want everyone so badly to have a streamlined setup because I know the impact it can have on your business. I doubled my revenue the first year that I had it and had it all set up. So I decided I really wanted to create something more affordable that you do have to do yourself, but I've made it as simple as humanly possible. So there's tutorial videos, there's these quick links where you can upload my templates into your travel joy with two links. It's not like copy and pasting anything, sub line, body, none of that. Boom, two clicks, it's in your own system, I broke down all of the workflows, I teach teach you how to create more workflows, like duplicate them and tweak them to create more destination specific or whatever. Anyway, it's the whole deal. I broke it up into tiny chunks in a course so people can kind of, I don't want people to take their time. It shouldn't take very long to do it, but if they need to go back to be like, oh, you know what? I'm selling a lot of Italy right now. I would like to re- repurpose one of these workflows. They can always go back to that course. I'm just rambling on and on now because I'm so excited about the whole thing, but I'm very proud of it. And I really wanted something that was more financially accessible for people because obviously one-on-one work is expensive. I know it is. I try to charge as little as I can for the amount of effort that goes into it, but still, you know, that's that's a high ticket thing. Um, so I just wanted some more middle ground for the people who maybe that just doesn't quite fit in their budget, but they still need help and of course like I said I just want everyone to have their systems in place so they can focus on selling, focus on being fabulous travel advisors, focus on the things that are important to them whether it's more selling or just more time with family and or to themselves.
0: In, in terms of who this course is good for, is it more for beginner advisors, seasoned advisors, who who are your students for this course?
1: It would be anyone. I mean, if you're a beginner, I've been really impressed with the number of brand new advisors that have gotten my done for you travel joy set up. And I tell them like, you have no idea the drudgery that you are saving yourself. What I went through for years, just having to manually do things and put things on my calendar and, you know, get busy and decide somebody didn't need their 60 day pre-trip prep email. And like, I think if you're newer investing in something like this to make sure that you have everything ready to go is going to help you build your business faster because you're going to deliver a client experience that makes people want to come back to you and refer you. But if you're a seasoned advisor, which I also get a lot of people who are like, oh my God, <laughs> I am drowning. It's, it gets harder and harder as you go along. As I always say, to back that train up on the tracks and get something in place. So having something that you could bang out and, you know, my advice is always to, I take an hour every morning before I hop into my email to work on my business. So if someone was able to just take 30 minutes to an hour for a couple of mornings, they'd be done. They'd have it all set up because of the way that I put it together. So it's for everyone, honestly, unless you
0: already have a system that you love, in which case keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I wish I had this system when I first started because... I was someone who didn't have a CRM when I first started. I was using spreadsheets. And then I was like, ooh, don't think I can handle the spreadsheet anymore. And I feel like I could have gotten to this level in half the time yep. if I had better systems in place in the beginning. But I didn't have anybody like you, Kareem, telling me, hey, maybe <laughs> okay. you should have some templates in place. So definitely going to be a game changer for anyone who does not yet have a good yes. system setup.
1: And the thing I forgot to mention that everyone loves the sound of is automations. So I teach you how to set up automations in your workflows so that you can make sure that things are delivered without your touch even on it when possible and save your time for the things that really do need your touch. So I'm going to be actually doing two live webinars. One will be Thursday the 14th. One is Monday the 18th. Just to show people how I personally use travel Joy, how I handle my own client load, whether that means you want to get a setup or not, I'm hoping it can be helpful to people because people didn't get in this business to figure out systems and processes. They got into the business to sell travel. So even just letting me show you, if you can come away with like a couple of nuggets that you can implement in your business, I'm going to be thrilled to death. So I realized, like, I've never just gotten on and just showed people how I use it, like my whole workflow execution. So I'm excited to do that. And if you go visit my Instagram account, go to the link in my bio, and there's two different links to register. It'll also be on Facebook because I'm using StreamYard, and it'll be my first time. So let's just hope for not a bunch of technical difficulties. Also, now that I have webinar software, watch out, you're going to (laughs) be... Getting all kinds of webinars. <laughs> but um you my handle is at travelbizboss, and you can go to the link in my bio and register for either one or put it on your calendar to check on Facebook if you're following me there. But that will be live so that you can just see what I do and how I do it. And hopefully that helps you in some way, whether whether you decide to get set up with something I do or set yourself up because you absolutely can do it yourself. It's just a matter of finding the time and the energy and having the will to write the email templates and all of that stuff. But you could absolutely DIY this if you wanted
0: to. And if advisors cannot make it to the actual live webinar, will you have recordings available for them?
1: I am going to have recordings, so the best thing to do is just go ahead and register for one, so that you're on my list, so that you'll get the recording when I send it out. Perfect.
0: I am excited for you. Oh my gosh, you're gonna help. Well, I'm exhausted,
1: (laughs) but it makes me happy. I'm very excited. I'm hoping it's really helpful to the community, and um, it's worth it. Anywho, this episode. Episode. Anywho, Anywho <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Toby AI and Voyager Websites. Visit voyagersocial.ai to take
0: Toby for a walk. All right, our articles this week—they uh, they tickle my brain. I love both of these, and they are both from Traveling West. The first one is from our friend Kate Thomas on client onboarding processes, and I know a lot of us we may not have a consistent onboarding process. And that is a formula for disaster. A tragedy. A tragedy. And I'm speaking <laughs> from personal experience here. And so this is part of the systems and processes that you can use with CRM like Travel Joy. Yep. So... Kate writes, the travel industry thrives on creating seamless experiences, not just during travel, but from the moment a potential client reaches out. The client onboarding journey, where they go from lead to client, is an important one. It lays the foundation for a successful working relationship. When it's done well, the entire planning process is better for both parties. So, What are the steps to a successful client onboarding process to make sure that you don't have any headaches and consider firing clients?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can't overstate the importance of following a consistent system when onboarding because what I notice is that people, especially newer advisors, are operating from a place of fear. I need the sale. I need every sale. I need the sale. And then they end up kicking themselves later because the client had expectations that are way out of whack. They're texting you at nine o'clock at night. They don't understand why you haven't replied within 30 minutes, or they think that you're going to have a proposal ready for them by end of day when they submit something. So the onboarding is really your way to set the tone of the client, take control of the process. And as we've talked about, a gazillion times set expectations which leads to a successful relationship
0: yeah for sure and Kate defines onboarding process as the steps you take from that first time a lead reaches out up until they've uh, paid whether that's a fee or a trip deposit and it can either be an automated setup or a procedure where you outline these steps during a call and speaking of setting expectations, that's the first thing Kate talks about is to set clear expectations. Your process should clearly lay out what your prospect can expect. Clear communication is key. As each step ends, your prospect should have a clear understanding of what happens next, both in terms of what to expect from you and what you expect from them. And the goal is to prevent future miscommunications while also building trust and it allows you to take the lead in the relationship from the first interaction, setting the tone for what will follow.
1: Yep, so the process should answer questions for your client along the way like, how does this work? What information do you need from me? What documents do you need from me? How much does this cost? What does your fee cover? When will I hear back from you? And how do I get in touch with you? And when can I expect a reply? Which by the way, This really lines up because I do have two onboarding uh, workflows in this setup. So there's one for when you charge a fee and one for when you don't. And there is a welcome and best practices email that's included that she's basically outlining here. Um, But she doesn't know it because she's never seen it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Basically, a transparent art onboarding process outlines the path the client will take with the travel advisor setting clear expectations from the outset. This clarity helps in building a trustworthy relationship kind of like, uh, back in the day when you would print out like map quest instructions, it's like, here Mm -hmm. is our starting point. Here is the destination. And you're laying out these individual steps of how we're going to get from point A to point B and I know this is something that it's on my list to work on is to have this information up front for when uh, a lead reaches out, whether they submit the inquiry form or send an email is to have some kind of documentation or something that lays out. This is how we work. You Mm -hmm. are a client for us. If, and you are not the right client for us, if, Because we've seen a lot of colleagues where they have these documents in place and I'm like, oh, that'll clear things up for a lot of people. And so when you do have that discovery call, you're not spending this time answering these questions. If you can have those questions already answered within a document, an FAQ section of your website, something along those lines. So then you can spend the discovery call actually providing the value for the lead.
1: Yep. And I will say this. I do love these gorgeous Canva uh, guides that people put together. They're beautiful. They really present you as a professional. It can't hurt to have that. I love that. But you also want to make sure you're getting those things in just simple emails, because the problem is people don't want to read these days. So they might just skim that get the idea of your vibe and love that, but they may not read it thoroughly. So I like to kind of drop breadcrumbs here and there. My welcome email is a little longer than usual, but it's broken up. You know, it's all one page, just text, no pictures. So hopefully, and it's like bullet points. This is what I need from you in order to get started. And these are some tips for a smooth and easy planning process. so you don't want to get too caught up in like just sending this whole separate gorgeous guide. You want to make sure you are getting the most important things just in, in a text email as well or on your consultation call so that it's clear.
0: I was listening to another industry podcast and I can't recall which one it is, but they had mentioned doing like a video instead of this is how we work. So you can do a video of like, hey, thanks for reaching out for for the people who don't read because we have all of those. but. Yeah, but I mean, I like video.
1: a video. Yeah, I like a video for a proposal walkthrough and for final docs walkthrough. So there's no reason why you couldn't yeah. do. Everybody watches video these days. It's the most popular.
0: Yeah, because something you can also what I would put, also like, a, do is it. caption it. Yeah, true, true.
1: Like put captions so that if someone wants to watch it on their phone and they can't have their sound on, they can still mm-hmm. see what you're saying. Random thought. <laughs> so. Structuring the onboarding process with automation and preset templates that answer the questions can dramatically reduce the time spent on repetitive tasks. Tools that can help include a form for intake that asks for all the information and documents you need, template replies to commonly asked questions, an automated welcome email or PDF that walks through your process, calendar software to book your calls, template replies for follow-ups invoicing software to collect your fee easily and a pricing guide email or pdf with starting budgets for your
0: most booked
1: trip types
0: she writes that you don't have to have every tool but there's plenty available to automate a lot of the process you can do a lot of the process manually by having your list of client questions along with your go-to responses for frequently asked questions and explain the process on a fo- on a phone call uh, it's Uh, simply what you do each and every time you take a prospect from lead to client systems help, but they are not required. And she says to get started, uh, she recommends thinking about your selling strengths and your clientele and work backward from there. Having a calendar software to manage all scheduling is great. Unless your typical clientele will be confused or frustrated by it. Plan it out. What systems or tools make life easier for you and the client?
1: Yep. I always recommend having a Calendly account because it's free And it makes you look really professional. So particularly when you have like acquaintances and friends, like you want to really demonstrate your professionalism Mm -hmm. to make sure they understand this is not for you to jerk me around. However, that doesn't work for everyone. I've had several travel joys set up. People say, I have two kids. I, I cannot keep up with like when my availability will be. I'm all over the place. So it just works better for me to ask the client when's a good time for them. And we plan it out through email it's fine. Whatever works for you, works for you. I, but I still recommend having the Calendly option in case you ever like, I need to make sure this person understands this is a professional relationship. So you can mm-hmm. hit them with that. Yes. Here's my scheduler schedule an appointment. You can go in and clean up your availability real quick and just, you know, have yeah, it ready yeah. to send a link. So I I recommend having it either way, but just as a tool in your arsenal, but then if it works better for you, most cases to just email and work it out, then do mm-hmm.
0: that. Yeah. The onboarding process also allows you to properly vet clients. This will help you determine if a lead is a fit for your services. The same way that the steps in your process are answering questions for your clients, they should also answer questions for you. So you can easily tell if this is a trip you even want to take on before you invest a lot of time on it. I always tell people the hiring goes both ways. Like, Sure, the client's hiring you, but you're also hiring the client. If you can fire them, you're hiring them. Like it's a mutual relationship. And I think having that come across in your calls is beneficial for your clients to know that, oh, uh, I need to be respectful or I can't treat her like, you know, yeah, I'm paying her, but I can't treat her like she's at my beck and call every single time. So it really sets the tone if you know what kinds of clients are the right fit for you. And you can be subtle as well. So Mm -hmm.
1: one of the questions that I ask in my inquiry form is, which is more important to you, lowest price or best experience for the money? And if they choose lowest price, I know they're going to be double checking me. They're going to be going on booking.com. They're going to, you know, if, if someone doesn't choose best experience for the money, they're probably not a good fit for a travel advisor. They're just going to be bargain shopping all over the place, asking for breakdowns, you know, so you can, you can use questions without outright saying like, I don't work with people who only care about the price. You just make it a subtle question on your questionnaire, working in with some other things.
0: Yeah. And Kate writes here that she recommends you build in buffer time in your process to give you a chance to review the new requests. So Instead of having your intake form and your link to your calendar in the same message the way that I used to have it, because I was like, oh, I'm saving time, what would end up happening is people would submit their form and schedule a call and they would not be a good fit for me. And it would require conversation that's like, oh, you already started a call. However, either I don't book this kind of trip or it's not a realistic price point for what you're looking for. So now I do build in a buffer period so I can review the form and respond in a way where I'm like, hey, thanks for filling it out. What we're seeing in terms of pricing for what you're looking for is this, that kind of thing. Um, Because then if you build in that buffer time, if you receive something that's not a good fit, you can turn it down and not schedule that call. And yeah, I don't have 15 minutes to wait. Yeah, exactly. And Kate (laughs) says to create a template for turning down anyone that isn't a fit. You know, I have my polite decline
1: email templates and I have them for several different reasons. So I can just Mm -hmm. load them up without any emotion and fire them off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she says overall, taking the time to design a purposeful client onboarding experience is beneficial to you and those encounter your brand, whether you ultimately take them on as clients or not. It establishes your professionalism and positions you as the trusted advisor, allowing you to build authority in your relationship. It's also an easy way to free up space on your
0: overcrowded to-do list. Yes. Thank you, Kate. Yes. She also writes, for your clients, a smooth onboarding process provides an easy transition from reaching out to you for the first time, providing assurance that they've made the right decision and trusting you to plan their travel. In an industry where details matter, it's the perfect first step to creating incredible travel experiences and building a loyal clientele. Set the stage to take them from, how does this work? to, I'll never plan my own travel again.
1: Boom, mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Such good stuff.
0: I feel like every year I am con- constantly improving my systems and process. Like, whether it's like little tweaks here and there. Um, just changing the words on a template, even those small changes end up having a really big impact, because as you're moving through the year, you encounter challenges that make you ask yourself, how can I prevent this mm-hmm. in the future? Absolutely.
1: If I get a question more than two or three times, I'm immediately like, where can I add the answer to this question into one of my emails so they have it before they need to ask it? Exactly. So they can stay out of my inbox. Yep, yep. (laughs) Our second article is also from Travel Age West from Shane Nelson. And it says the title is travel lawyers share the top ways advisors need to protect themselves. There's a lot of chatter about this lately. Uh, You know, uh, we've always dealt with fraud and then everything that happened during the pandemic and everybody's... Booking at like an alarming, wonderfully alarming rate right now, and you want to make sure you're protecting yourselves. We just did, we had a team meeting while I was in Orlando and talked a lot about, you know, how to write your invoices to make sure you're protected, what information you need to always include. But it always comes better from lawyers, right? So the article says: Hoping to better understand the legal issues impacting travel advisors today, I decided to talk with a bunch of lawyers. Perhaps not surprisingly, all of the attorneys I spoke to had a great deal to say, but what emerged during each of those discussions was a singular framework of legal concerns that advisors should seriously be considering. So some of the topics that came up over and over again are creating a corporation or an LLC to protect your personal assets, the need to draft comprehensive terms and conditions, and planning agreements for your clients. Other concerns include issues like insurance, credit card fraud, and how to respond to customer questions about safety. That's always a one you have to tiptoe around. Another yeah. frequently mentioned bit of legal advice for advisors that he heard from attorneys was to do exactly what he was doing. Talk to a lawyer.
0: Yeah. And the reasoning behind that is it's, cheaper to pay a little bit upfront to consult with a lawyer than have to react later on by not having the right legalities in place. So protecting your assets is one of those things that is critical if you want to limit your liability. And I remember being new in the industry, and for some reason, the legalities, the laws surrounding being in the travel industry was super important to me. Like the very first session that I sat in at the travel agent forum in Vegas, which was the very first conference I ever attended. It was the law and you or something like that. Mm -hmm. People in there, I think were kind of falling asleep a little bit. I'm just glued to the slideshow. And I'm on one hand terrified. And on the other hand, I'm like, okay, I need to know all these things. So Peter Labasso, who is senior VP and general counsel for Asta, he said that too many independent travel advisors are still operating as sole proprietors. You do not have the benefit of limited liability unless you form either a corporation or an LLC, he said. And forming an LLC is very easy to do. It generally doesn't cost very much and it doesn't create a whole lot of complication to your business, but it goes a very, very long way in protecting you. And that was like one of the key things from that session that I attended after I left that conference, I immediately set up an LLC. Cause I'm like, why not? I mean, I'd rather just pay a little bit out of pocket now and protect myself moving forward. Yeah. And you don't, In generally
1: speaking, that is something you don't need an attorney for, like in Florida, just go on sunbiz.org, mm-hmm. different States. You. That's one of those things. Um, you don't need one to create it and you don't need one to do your annual report, but you get lots of like mail from services telling you they'll do it for you. Right. And the guy, the attorney that I use for my accounting said you really don't even want to use one of those because somehow you can kind of get cut out of the process. So while you should absolutely speak to a lawyer about terms and conditions and things like that, any type of contracts uh, you don't, need an attorney to set up a simple llc
0: mm-hmm. yep another lawyer that was interviewed in this article is jeffrey ment and his contribution is ENO insurance insure mm-hmm. your business and when you are looking at a policy, make sure you fully understand what the policy is. He says, I tell agents all the time, it is not a panacea to be covered by your bigger agency's EO policy unless you know the terms of it. Maybe you end up buying your own EO policy with a half a million dollar limit and a $500 deductible for $800. You wouldn't want to be told by your bigger agency hey, that claim you had filed against you resulted in our $10,000 deductible being eaten up and now you owe us $10,000 or we're just going to withhold the next $10,000 of your commissions.
1: Yeah, and we did a whole episode on that that you can find. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was a good one. (laughs) And also Thomas Carpenter weighs in here about crafting detailed client contracts. I I would say like a good 75% of my setup clients use Thomas Carpenter for their terms and conditions. And I like the way he handles them personally. I've read a lot, Um, but he is also in the travel industry. He launched New York City-based Huckleberry Travel, now a Uniglobe and Virtuoso affiliate with his husband in 2017. The full service agency works regularly with luxury travelers and Carpenter also represents more than 1,200 small travel agencies and tour operators as an attorney. He also has a YouTube channel. If you've never checked it out. Cool. He says, if there's seaweed on the beach and it smells horrible, that's not the travel advisor's fault just because they booked the resort. If somebody slips and falls on a wet marble floor at a hotel and breaks his leg, that's not the fault of the travel agency.
0: When he says that, that's something that you need to put into your terms and conditions. Like you're just an agent for the supplier and you don't represent them. So he says, it's really crucial that every advisor has a terms and conditions document. Noting those contracts help manage the risk of operating a travel agency. Because we all know people are so litigious. They will absolutely blame the advisor for there being a naturally occurring thing on the beach. Well, it's just the thing where people
1: if it's not their fault, they feel like somebody else needs to take responsibility. So that can easily fall to you (laughs) and everyone else involved with the booking. Typically, if they're going to sue, they're going to sue everyone involved. And that means you too. So you got to have them sign off on these terms and conditions. He also noted that travel is intensely regulated. So there are many alerts that you are required to make and regulations that you are mandated to comply with. He says, a terms and conditions document that is contractual in nature and where your clients are actually agreeing to it can really take you off the hook for a lot of those things you would otherwise be responsible.
0: Uh, Destination Fund Travels' Owens said that she crafts TNC agreements that include as much detail as possible about the trip she's arranging for her clients. She explained that flight, resort, room type, those are the big components you want people to approve. The big ticket items, the ones where you don't want to get stuck holding the financial bag, that's what you want to be putting into that proposal. And the more detail, the better. That really detailed proposal with TNCs will save travel advisors more times than not. Uh, she yeah, it's not a bad agency- idea to put your...
1: It's really not a bad idea to put your TNCs into a library item in your itinerary builder. That way you can just pop it at the end of any proposal so they can review it before even moving forward. But of course, I love how in Travel Joy you can have it where the client signs off on the charge and the terms and conditions all at once.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Owens notes that her agency requires that clients agree, typically via email, to detailed trip proposals featuring all the agency's TNCs before taking payment for an initial deposit, which she said can also help prevent certain instances of credit card fraud. It can make some of those people considering fraud think twice, and they'll ghost you. They're going to go away because they don't want to take those extra steps. Personally, on my own bookings, even before I run final payment, I always say via email, I want to get that authorization. May I proceed with that payment? When I get, yes, you may, then I do it. I want that in writing before I process their credit card so there's not any confusion. Yeah.
1: Astas Lobasso said his organization currently provides its members with a free example of a TNC agreement that's been crafted, especially for travel advisors. He said, we are also rolling out a brand new and improved template TNC statement for travel agencies to use. He noted that their advice template should be available in the coming months. And Asta also offers members a course called Agency Relationships and the Law, which covers a range of legal issues impacting travel advisors in their businesses. If you're not a member of Asta already, what are you waiting for? <laughs> that was me. That wasn't him.
0: <laughs> I still see people ask, like, why should I join Asta? And I'm just like, you don't have to feel anything directly in terms of impact, but They are still working on the behalf of the travel industry. Follow their Facebook page. Follow their Instagram. They will tell you what they're up to and how they're using the membership money. Do it for the
1: industry as a whole.
0: Exactly. The next section on legalities is how to answer safety questions. Travel industry attorney meant, said the queries advisors routinely field from clients about the safety of a vacation destination should not have yes or no answers. Travel agents are often asked, is it safe to go there? And that is a very sticky question, he explained. Mm-hmm. The answer has to be safety is something that you have to decide on your own, traveler, because I can't tell you what your safety will be like when you get there. And I can't tell you what you are comfortable with in terms of risk.
1: And I can't tell you what your safety will be when you walk out of your house. And I can't tell you what, yeah. you know, like I live in Mexico. I, fe- I have never felt unsafe here. But just the other day, someone was on one of the Facebook threads saying, I don't know what to tell this client. They're saying they don't feel safe going to Mexico. I'm like, find somewhere else for them to go. You yeah, never want exactly. to try to talk someone into doing something they're not comfortable with. Because then there could be like one cockroach in the room. And all of a sudden, you told me to come to Mexico. <laughs> you know, to be like their dinner was late, whatever. But you're on the hook
0: for it. Yeah. And I fully believe that you attract the energy that you're feeling. So if they are so scared out of their minds to go to Mexico, they're going to see danger everywhere they turn. They're going to find fault everywhere they go. And even things that might be harmless, they'll see an issue with. So go by their comfort level. I never want to convince people to go one, one place or another. It's really up to them at the end of the day.
1: As soon as they say there, I don't, I don't know about that place. I don't feel, sick. boom, let's find a different destination. Yep. Just move yep. on. Just exactly. don't even waste any time. Um, Ment mentioned a pending Texas lawsuit in which the widow of fireman Elijah Snow, who died while on vacation in Mexico, is suing the travel agency that booked the trip, alleging let's go on vacay LLC, failed to sufficiently warn the Snows about the dangerous criminal environment in Cancun. And he says the agent is in a very strong position based on her terms and conditions and based on the facts of the story. He is not involved in the litigation, by the way. But he said travel agents cannot be responsible for a crime unless they somehow orchestrated the
0: crime. That's good to know. I mean, maybe the the client was like a huge pain to work with. But even so, we don't have time to orchestrate any crimes internationally. (laughs)
1: My uh, the assistant I had a couple years ago used to keep a list of people who she was going to go TP their house. <laughs> she Gosh. was going to go on a TPing tour. <laughs> That's orchestrating a crime, I suppose.
0: <laughs> but in this buy. economy, I don't think so. Assis <laughs> uh, uh, Labasa, who is also not involved in the Texas litigation, agreed that the agency appears to be on relatively solid legal footing. He says, there are a lot of different factors here that, in my view, would make it unlikely that the advisor would be held liable. But our standard advice at ASTA in a case like this is always to direct your client to an objective third-party source of information. Typically, the one that we always say is the go-to is the U.S. State Department's website. Like Ment, Labasse said, agents are not in a position to make recommendations about whether a traveler should visit any particular destination because everyone's risk tolerance is different. You furnish them with that objective third-party information and you leave the decision up to them. Obviously, there's no guarantee you're not going to get sued, but certainly it'll put you in a better position to have a favorable outcome if you are sued.
1: And I hate sending people there because there's like a travel advisory for everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. yep. is, it just scares the heck out of everybody. But at the end of the day, if you have someone who's concerned about safety, you need to send in there and let them make mm-hmm. their own decision And send him to San Diego if it's an issue.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Attorney and Huckleberry travel owner Carpenter noted the pending Texas lawsuit is a terrific example of how an ongoing relationship with a lawyer can be extraordinarily beneficial for travel advisors. I've had agency owners who have had horrible, horrible things happen to their clients while they're traveling. But because the agency owner reached out to me quickly and because we responded in a way that was calculated to keep them out of the inevitable lawsuit, it made it a lot less expensive for them to deal with the aftermath.
1: It's like I tell my clients, it's not what you start out spending, it's what you end up spending. So, yes, putting out some money to engage the services of a lawyer up front might seem like... An expense you don't want. But at the end of the day, we're not selling Girl Scout cookies here. We're selling very expensive things. Mm-hmm. And if the liability for that falls on us, much less, you know, liability for medical expenses and what have you, that's going to cost, I want to cuss, but I'm not going to a lot more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you find yourself in trouble, I feel like there's some kind of power when you're like, my lawyer will be reaching out. Or you'll be hearing from my lawyer. (laughs) You got to say it with an attitude. Are we ready
1: for some excess baggage? Oh, yeah. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Weekly, Railbookers has launched five new train journeys in Switzerland due to increased demand. Another one from them says that publishing a list of suppliers that pay Advisor Commission the quickest, ASTA said it is taking a stand and hopes that it will encourage travel companies to adopt more agent friendly policies. Travel Pulse reports that following the devastating earthquake that hit Morocco on September 8th, Intrepid Travel announced that it has accounted for the safety of all of its staff members, tour leaders, and guests currently on the tours in the storied North African nation. They also launched an emergency Morocco earthquake appeal through the Intrepid Foundation to support immediate disaster relief on the ground. To make donations go even further, Intrepid has also committed to doubling all donations up to AUD 100,000. Another one from them says that there might be a supplier scandal growing in the aviation industry. Southwest Airlines confirmed that it was the first major airline to pull, literally pull out a part from one of its airline engines. The part could have been a fake. Southwest said it decided to err on the side of caution in removing the part. By admitting it removed the part, Southwest became the first major airline to also admit it was using a questionable part. Yeek! Travel Agent Central reports that LATAM Airlines announced that more than 11,000 employees have completed required training programs and achieved the autism double-check certification, demonstrating the commitment to understanding and serving the needs of passengers with autism spectrum disorder. They also report that the Port of Baltimore welcomed Norwegian Cruise Line to Maryland to begin a fall and winter sailing schedule last week. More than that, for the first time in the cruise line's history, Norwegian will have two ships homeporting from Maryland: Norwegian Sky and Norwegian Sun. The ships will offer cruises from Baltimore to Canada and New England, Bermuda, and the Caribbean. According to Travel Market Report, Venice is launching a new tourist tax that will target day trippers traveling into the city at peak times. The tax is a long time coming; it was first due to start in June twenty June of twenty two. And then delayed in January 2023 before finally being pushed to spring 2024. The plan is now for the tax to be put in place as a 30-day experiment in the spring of next year. And our high note today is also from Travel Market Report. In appreciation of all the hard work that travel advisors do, Scenic is launching an Antarctic giveaway for travel advisors, offering up a 13-day cruise in the White Continent on board Scenic Eclipse 2. It is fabulous. Advisors can qualify for the giveaway with each new Antarctica or Arctic booking made between September 11th and October 31st, 2023. And that's it for Excess Baggage.
0: I am really looking forward to one of the streaming services making a documentary on the Southwest Scandal. (laughs) Like Fire Festival level documentary.
1: I, I mean it sounds like it could be with other airlines. It kept saying they're the first airline to it, to.
0: Ooh. I mean yeah. I, I wanna know. Someone please write to the streaming services. Um I, I need to know. Just a reminder that all the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news, we're just sharing it.
1: If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under The Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes.
0: Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week.
1: Bye!